Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this Good Friday service 2020, a Good Friday like no other, like never before. I've never experienced anything like what we're going through right now. The most common question people ask is, is why is Good Friday good? If Jesus dies on the cross on Friday, why do we call it good? We call it good because of what it means to us, of what it represents. So today's Good Friday. Obviously, yesterday was Thursday. In the church world, we call it Monday Thursday. The word Monday means commandment because in John 13, Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment to love each other. So this new commandment of love, agape love, which is perfect love, there was different types of love, different words that could be used for love in Greek. This is agape love. It's perfect love. It's limitless. It's unending love. And John makes a really big deal about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Matter of fact, it says in John 13, 1, he shows his love for the disciples by loving them to the very end or the utmost. Why is a foot washing, why is Jesus washing the disciples' feet, showing his love to the very end, to the very extreme? Because in their world, somebody who would wash Somebody else's feet was the lowest of the lowest of the lowest of as low as you possibly could go on the servant ladder. The lowest servant of all would have to do the worst job of all, and that would be washing the disciples' feet. A rabbi, a teacher, which Jesus was, would never wash a disciple's feet. And Jesus says, my love and service to you knows no limits. Now, Monday, Thursday prefigures everything that's happening today. Good Friday, Jesus, we're told when he washes the disciples' feet, takes off his outer robes, and he washes the disciples' feet, gives this new commandment to love, and it prefigures Good Friday where Jesus' robes are taken off of him and he's crucified, showing that his love has no limits. So crucifixion was the very worst way you could possibly die during the days when Jesus was walking here on the earth 2,000 years ago. If Jesus would have said, hey, look, time out. <laughs> I'm not dying that way. Uh, I'll die, but I'm going to die uh, the easiest way possible. Just give me poison and we'll die. Let's forget all the scourging. Then what would we have said? We said, well, there was a limit. He was like, yeah, I'll go this far, but I, I'll go this far, but I won't go this far. I won't without limit. So that's conditional love. So why do we call it good? Because Christ is showing there is no end to my love. There's no point where my love is going to stop for you. I've said this so many times, but you know this. Psychologists tell us what we need is unconditional love, that that forms our identity like nothing else, that warms our heart and changes our life. You have had many people who have loved you conditionally. They've been in relationships with you conditionally. And that affects us in negative ways. It hurts us deeply many times, right? Christ is the only, nobody loves me that way. His love for us is completely unconditional. And that is why Good Friday is good. Now, we're all going through um, something that is completely unprecedented with COVID, right? This has changed our life. And now I wanna blend in the meaning of Good Friday with what do we do when we're facing an unprecedented plague? What do you do? What do I do when we're facing an unprecedented plague? And when you are facing an unprecedented plague that is stealing your health and your money and your freedom, 
The Bible tells us exactly what we do. We read and apply the book of Joel because the book of Joel is all about a time when we are feeling helpless and we're feeling hopeless. So we're going to read and apply the book of Joel. We'll do a big overview here uh, real quick, and then we'll bring it back to why we have called for a day of prayer and fasting. Many of us are praying. Some of us are fasting. I am fasting all day today. What is the meaning of that? Here is what you do in the Bible. God says, here is what you do when you are facing an unprecedented plague. You call people together for a day of corporate prayer and fasting, exactly what we do. So I want to read you excerpts from the book of Joel, just to kind of give you a broad brush overview from it. In chapter one, this is how the whole book begins. It says, hear this, has anything like this ever happened in your days? The book of Joel is amazing. It's a timeless book because it was speaking to them in their day and it's speaking to us today. It's an unusual book because no dates, no kings, like many books in the Bible is like it dates it somehow. That doesn't happen in Joel. What we see happening in Joel is saying this is so timeless and you're going to see this is so eerily similar to what we're going through. They were saying nothing like this has ever happened before. Joel is asking them to imagine a plague of locusts. Now, locusts was common in, in Israel. So, but imagine it. And what we're being called here to do, right, is to imagine an unprecedented plague. But we don't really have to imagine, do we? Because we're experiencing it. And that's what it's saying here in the beginning. All your plans have been changed. We've had to change so many things. I would have said, there's no way this could have ever happened. High school seniors, college seniors, spring athletes, wedding plans, vacation plans, jobs, work, all of these things have totally changed. Verse number five, chapter one, Joel says, wake up, wake up. Why wake up? Well, this really factors in. It's very, very important. And it actually makes us think of what took place in the life of Christ. Right? Wake up is because we have a strong human tendency to go to sleep on our relationship with God. When Jesus Christ is in the garden last night, Thursday night, right? When he's in the garden, we're told that he goes with the disciples and he says, watch and pray with me. And then he goes away by himself and prays. He comes back and finds them asleep. He says, wake up. And he goes away and comes back a second time. And did they stay awake? No, they're asleep again. So he goes away, comes back a third time. Three times they have fallen asleep. What does all of this mean? Why does Joel say it? Why do we find that in the, in the story of Christ? Because we have the tendency to fall asleep on our relationship with God. I do it, you do it. And Joel is saying, we need to come back. So much about Joel is returning to God. We have drifted. We have drifted from God. That's our main sin. That's our main lack is that we tend not to have that trust in God. We drift in that relationship with God. God is not first and he is not primary. So it says, what are we to do about this? Chapter two, verse number one, blow the trumpet, sound the alarm. Well, back in their days, they would blow a trumpet. What do we do today? We send something out on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or something. This is what we've done, the 21st century of blowing the alarm, saying, let's all gather together because we need to pray. Because what do you do? When you're facing an unprecedented plague, you gather people together and you say, God, we need your help. Drive this plague from this land. Chapter two, verse number two. And here's where it just seems so similar. It says, this plague is leaping over the mountains and it's crossing all borders. That's what this has done, right? That's why this seems so similar to us. This plague has, it'll never happen in America. Well, it has happened in America. It's crossed all 
borders and all boundaries. Verse 6, chapter 2, all the nations are affected. The plague is descending upon cities fast in verse number 9. The earth is shaking in verse number 10. And in verse 12, God says, even now declares the Lord, return to me. So there's something that we need to do. We need to return to God. This is called repentance. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. We need to repent and return and trust in God again. Here is what plagues and crisis do in our lives. Here's what it did in their day. Here's what it does today when there's a plague or or a crisis. It reveals misplaced trust, misplaced trust. So can we trust in our freedom? Our freedom has been taken away. We're all locked inside of our houses. Can we trust in our health? We are surrounded. We are, you're on social media. You're watching the news. We're hearing about the climbing rate of people infected. We're hearing about the climbing death toll here nationally or around the world. Can you trust in your freedom? Can you trust in your health? Can you trust in your money as the stock market goes down? As millions and millions of people are losing their jobs. So it's revealing misplaced trust. I can't trust in those big three things. What can I trust in? I can trust in God. And so I come back to God. I have once again fallen asleep on my relationship with God. God's not number one. He's not first and foremost in my life. So I come back. And this is what Joel is saying. Come back. Come back because we have this strong human tendency. And God start to become an afterthought. God needs to be the first thought. Instead, God because way down that list. And so we return, we return to God, all right? Chapter two, again, verse number 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. So there's this repeating theme, come back, come back. Here's what you do. You're having a problem, unprecedented, come back. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, bring together the children, so young and old. Let the bridegroom, this is interesting, let the bridegroom leave his room in the bride her chamber. So you have a bride and a groom, they're on their honeymoon, they're off on their honeymoon. This is so important, they need to cancel their honeymoon. Would you ever think of canceling your honeymoon? We're having to cancel honeymoons now. Cancel your honeymoon because this is so important. Let's gather together. Individual prayer is great, but in the Bible, when it's an unprecedented plague, there has to be corporate prayer, what we're doing now. That's why we've called this day because here's the antidote to our situation. Call together, pray fast, and return to God. Make God number one. Now, why fasting? Why do you read about this fast in the Bible? Because when I fast, like I have done today, I have been reminded all day long, I need food. I'm hungry. I have hunger pains all day long. And every time I feel a hunger pain and say, I need food, I'm reminded that I need God, that we need God. And God is not on the back burner anymore. God is right up front because I'm thinking all day I need food and it reminds me all day that I need God. That's why we fast. We're showing that God, we need to return to you. You need to be first and foremost that I have once again succumbed to this misplaced trust. So this is why this is all about. Now here's the good news. Let's get to the good news because Joel says, Okay, I want you to imagine this unprecedented plague, and then I want you to imagine an ideal future. And here's where we turn the corner, and we get to the good news, because God says, I'm going to send new wine. New wine, wine represents joy. Matter of fact, chapter 3, verse number 18, God says, I'm going to cause the mountains to drip with wine. That's a lot of joy. God's going to return the joy as we return to him. He says, I will drive the plague out, chapter 2, verse number 20. 
That's great news. That's what we need. That's why we're doing what we're doing. God says, here's the prescription for when you're facing an unprecedented plague. Gather together, pray, and I will drive this plague out. Then it says, surely God has done great things. And we should never forget it. When I read that verse, I thought about, I thought about this. We have a tendency again, cry out to God in times like these. Then the times pass and we look back and we say, ah, we made it through. We did okay. And we forget all about the returning to God and crying out to God for help. And it reminds me so much of the guy who was falling off of the roof falling off the roof of his house, and he cries out to God as he's nearing the end, God save me. And all of a sudden, a nail that was on the roof catches a hold of his belt, and it stops him, and he says, God, don't worry about it. The nail saved me. When we get through this crisis, what we don't want to do is repeat the cycle once again and saying, you know what? We'll trust in ourselves. God, we cried out to you, but you know, really, we rose up and we figured this out. No, 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 don't repeat the cycle again. We want to maintain God is first and God is foremost in our life. Okay, now imagine this. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord. It's going to come a day we're going to rejoice. For he has given us the autumn rains. He's been faithful. He sent the abundant showers. There's been autumn rains and spring rains. The threshing floor will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. And I like chapter 2, verse number 25. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. Wow. I'm just thinking about all the people around the world and for many of you who are watching right now that are participating in this service, that your job, your pay has been drastically affected. That's what they were experiencing in Joel. That's why this book is timeless. And we want to pray about that because God says, even that, even our finances, God is going to help us with. So this is what I'd like to do. Let's just take 30 seconds to pray wherever you are. Pray out loud, pray silently, however you want to pray, however you're comfortable with praying. And then after 30 seconds, I'm going to close us in a word of prayer. And then Kara and Matt are going to lead us in another song. So let's take 30 seconds and pray. Gracious God, we are so thankful that you welcome us back with open arms. When we have misplaced our trust once again, you don't shame us, you welcome us. I am so thankful for that, Lord, and I am thankful for Good Friday. Good Friday, your unconditional love, love without limits. You don't say, I'll love you this much, but I won't love you more than that. You say that you will love us with an unlimited love. Wow, that is so amazing and so needed. Humanity needs to experience unconditional love. And that's what today is all about. You are making a strong statement with an exclamation point. You love us unconditionally. Lord, we have gathered together. We have sounded the alarm. We have called for a sacred assembly, a day of prayer, a day of fasting. God, hear our prayer. Hear our cries. Drive this plague from our land. Restore all that has been eaten away. Help us, those right now who are experiencing tremendous fear and anxiety, 
those who have experienced a loss in job, finances, maybe a loss in health, maybe they've lost a friend or a loved one to COVID-19. God, please drive this plague from our world. Give us strength. We celebrate today your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your unconditional love. And we thank you, Jesus, for what Good Friday represents. Help us in your holy name. Amen.